0: Good I'm afternoon, tennis David. fans. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find all your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journeys with our mentors. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which may be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey, and our mentors may provide the roadmap for your journey. Each week, I will be interviewing those tennis coaches who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. They are authors. They have generated great papers on tennis, and they continue to give back today. Who are these mentors you will hear each Thursday? Well, on the first Thursday, it's Alan Fox. You heard him last week, uh, the second Thursday, today. Be the great legendary Ch- coach Chuck Reese. The third Thursday is normally Dr. John Murray, a uh, Florida Miami uh, sports psychologist who's quite busy this time, and uh, but uh, I, he will be on most of the third Thursdays. The fourth Thursday is either Linda LeClair or Scott Williams. So Those fifth Thursdays, when they come, you're asking? Well, on those Thursdays of the fifth month, well, stay tuned and see who joins our mentors. I'm sure you'll be surprised, but you'll also be delighted. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball Network CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our tennis network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you are missing out on useful information. Uh, I would also like to thank Wilson Tennis, who, as you all know, I'm very biased when it comes to high school and college tennis, and uh, high school tennis, Wilson has been a major supporter of over 100 years in business, and they're still giving, and they've been a big part of my uh, success over the years. I'd also like to thank uh, Florida Tennis Magazine. Uh, Those of you uh, that read my articles in each issue of Tennis Florida Magazine know that it's a magazine that covers more than Florida tennis. It covers tennis throughout the country. I think I also have to give thanks to District 15 NJTL Association, and it's over 20 years of providing tennis programming. Uh, those of you that don't have 10 and under programs, especially at a high school, great way to get your high school involved in uh, uh, developing kids uh, that will be joining them later on. And, of course, uh, two people that I can't forget are two organizations. One is Flagler Insurance, who understands that our future leaders are now in high school uh, hopefully, pretty soon we will be awakened in that sleeping giant called high school uh, tennis. Uh, I think we might be on our way. I pray that is the case. But Flagler Insurance, they understand that our future leaders are now in high school, and we thank them. And of course, Team Connection Tennis. Um, when we, uh, our all star tournament in Florida they always look great. Uh, because uh, Team Connection dressed them uh, and they were uh, 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 always uh, outstanding with their clothing. Uh, Team Connection tennis reminds you that tennis fuels life. So I just wanted to get them in uh, to uh, thank them uh, for supporting me and uh, my activities uh, beyond uh, blog talk uh, radio of course the nice thing about <clears throat> excuse me, blog talk radio is that if you can't tune in live you can only you can always listen when you choose I seldom listen to Chuck Reese's Wednesday American Tennis live but I always listen to the broadcast uh, truthfully I haven't listened to yesterday's broadcast yet well, you know I will be uh, listening to it soon because uh, always good information comes out of there, uh, always uh, gets you thinking, and I think that's important. And because I do believe Dr. King, when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, time permitting, I will add my personal views on North America tennis And naturally, you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and our colleges. Um, Yes, last week uh, at the end of the uh, broadcast, uh, I did um, express my views. I actually did it at the beginning and the end because I had to think. Ashley uh, Hobson and the uh, rest of the outstanding presenters at the uh, Florida Athletic Coaches Association uh, tennis training for the high school coaches uh, did a fantastic job. And I wanted to thank uh, the uh, USTA national campus and their staff. uh, Besides being a beautiful facility, uh, uh, outstanding young people uh, there and uh, I think uh, which brought me into actually today's uh, topic that Coach Greasy is going to be talking about Uh, we had I ended the show not uh, on a positive note I uh, admit uh, because I was very disappointed uh, and the attendance. I think uh, I've been blessed over the years to have um, outstanding presenters come from all over this great country of ours uh, to uh, do the training. Uh, one of them last year, we based the uh, workshop around our Coach Chuck Recy. Uh, this year, we based it around Ashley Hobson, uh, But I was extremely disappointed uh about our officers of the f h s t c a and uh, none of them um, being present at the workshop and although I broke uh, coach Creasy's rule of never talked personally uh I admit that I was frustrated and uh i I just couldn't help but to uh, say how disappointed I was. And I'm thinking about it. As I said in uh, my last comments last week, I blame myself for that. Uh, I thought, uh, I think that I probably have used more of Coach Creasy's uh, uh, ideas and work than most coaches uh, I probably started years ago when I decided to go from a pro to coaching and starting with his coaching tennis uh, book. Uh, but although I have the, uh, his uh, three-tier mentoring program in front of me, it's obviously that I uh, didn't do a good job uh, with the mentors because like any organization in the FHSTCA is no different Uh, Yeah, people come in for different reasons, and a lot of them come in uh, more for looking at titles rather than giving uh, to uh, the organization. And I'm afraid uh, I didn't do a great job because, uh, quite frankly, it's just hard for me to believe uh, that other than our media press president, John Posner, none of our Uh, officers were there so I asked uh, usually I don't interfere with our mentors and I let them choose the topic but being I opened my big mouth last uh, week I asked uh, Coach Creasy would he discuss this three term mentoring uh, program because I think every organization is faced with the same challenges and then there's unfortunately people like myself that uh missed some part of it and it's obviously I missed something uh because uh we need more people involved in tennis and I think that this is probably in my opinion the most important part of uh uh tennis I like I said last week uh, I was impressed to have uh, uh Members of the USTA, uh, Chris uh, Michalowski and his boss, Scott Schultz, a couple of months ago invited me and Bobby up there and, and want our views on high school tennis. And to be able to uh, spend three hours with them and listen rather than uh, dictate and tell me uh, what to do. Uh, I'm an optimist by nature, so I'm hoping we're going to see some changes. But I do believe it's mentoring, so and I see our mentor today on. So let's get him on and uh, get to the show today. Coach, are you there? Hi. Good afternoon, John. You hear me? Okay. Uh, yes, I can. Uh, I was just good. telling the audience I really believe uh, year three to mentoring program. I thought I understood it well. I'm not going to. Uh, I'll be here with you and any uh, points, questions, but I, I'm really going to give you more leadway because I really think it's obviously I didn't do a good job, and I think this is important if tennis is going to go to the next uh, place where it should go, and if we get that sleeping giant high school tennis move in and if we don't lose college tennis. Uh, so, uh, Coach, would you um,
1: yeah. give the audience
0: your three-term but mentoring program? Sure, and, John, let
1: me know if I don't come in loud and clear there. I had to put these headphones on. I'm trying to drive and and stuff. I'm caught in traffic, but um, going on here, I, I heard uh, the last five or six minutes of your introduction there, and we all have the same problem about people not engaging. I'm not just saying our teams but just people, getting people to do things that you normally used to do to be a part of something. I don't know. Have you ever heard of the law of invested pressure? John, have you ever heard that term,
0: the law of invested I've heard, pressure? I've heard it from you, and I believe in it, and uh, I, we've got to show it. Well, yeah
1: basically you know the old old days it says nobody cares what you know unless they know that you care the law of invested pressure means the more that you engage in something the more time spent with something and again you know the the time that you spent just with the your radio show preparing the time that you spend with a human being in uh coaching them or teaching them the more you invest the more it matters the more you engage there's a couple things going on though right now with our society and just our culture number one it's almost like we are not allowed to engage with people to the depth that we need to and now this will fit back into the mentoring but people want you to operate at a deep level but they keep you on a surface um, you've heard me often refer to the levels of relationships. You know, the surface is cliches and facts. Then you go opinion, feelings, and needs. There's five levels. Cliches are like, hey, what's the, going on? How much? How are you? It's just the greetings. The facts are things we do every day. Hey, the ball, the doggone Cleveland Indians got uh, lost last night. Now, we have to talk about opinions. Now, we have to talk a little bit deeper, whether it's political opinions religious opinions or opinions about a forehand or a backhand or how you're coaching your team or what you're doing in your class and giving your opinions you don't give your opinion unless you're asked and then you got to go feelings and needs are deeper well we've become masterful at cliches and facts and one of the criticisms that i've had and i uh, will blast organizations i you know people, but the biggest criticism I always had with the USDA is that they will do cliches and facts and some opinions down there, but they do not coach to the level that you need to to work with people and to help develop them, whether it's coaches or you know, they, they'll throw all this stuff out there, all the window dressing stuff, but they don't follow through and help you develop the, the people to the depth they do, they need to. Which you need in mentoring programs. So, one thing about the law of invested pressure, we're not allowed to anymore. Just the structure. And whenever you take, whenever you take control out of the local environment, whether whenever you go to a socialist mentality or socialist program of centralized government, centralized control. USTA is all run and they're they're engulfing everything right now. You're going to take away ownership from people in the local local areas and the people who are the most vital to our young people are, you know, so anyhow, once you centralize somebody, people withdraw energy, then people are not allowed to, but you don't get to that level that you need to, John, so with people not showing up and not people not joining it that's that's a big big part of it the other thing i think it's really happening with all of the the automation and computers we have john is that you know everybody's a hero on facebook and everything's phony on facebook but everything's fake fake on facebook but everything's real and everybody's a star on facebook no one knows the difference between what is actually something important or not important. So what happens is people don't know how to invest their energy. They don't know when to invest their energy, Then they, and we're losing the ability to engage. Now don't even get me started on kids coming up and every, how we're so addicted to the cell phones and everything, how they are not learning how to engage. So we, we, we have these things working against us. So anybody out there... Whether you're a teacher, a coach, a parent And you're trying to get something going In your church or you're trying to get something To go with a group of kids or You're trying to get a committee People will not engage until they engage And when they engage it becomes important If it's important to you It's important It doesn't matter whether you're getting paid or not But it's it's we're, we're just This is getting to be We have all the relationships and We have all of the com- communication in the world but we don't have the relationship, so I think you want me to talk today a little bit about the three chair mentoring and and where we go with this. So does that does that make any does that about where you want me to go with this, John? You want me to talk about the three tier
0: mentoring? I and think what it's a good important. Idea is. Be, yeah, no, I do because I think it's important, and I think. Uh, uh, you know, I think we society, like you just pointed out, we the yeah. challenges we have are probably greater than we had when we started coaching oh, yeah. uh, today. So I think we have to r- remind them. I know, I know in my article in Florida Tennis when I talked about who I consider the legends, you and the other people that I sat there and, you know, came through and studied under – uh I think too often today we think about what's new and great, and most of the things that I see new and great, I can go back to, you know, I see things in <laughs> – I still have your coach in uh, tennis, and I see no, things people are running in, and it's <laughs> it's in there.
1: No, John, they're all reruns. Everything they're putting out there now is reruns. It's just like the movies. There's, there's not a lot of original ideas out there. People are just repackaging stuff like the old movies. And, and that's the frustrating thing, isn't it? The music, the movies, there's not much creativity going on. So we're looking for that in tennis, too, and we're looking for that in coaching. But, no, you're exactly right. And, and there, we've, we've got a big problem in that not only are we having things put out that have a lack of depth, People do not recognize what depth is, and people, you just, you, you really just crave and look for anything of depth anymore, whether it's a great restaurant, great music, great and anything where you go, whoa, that's special, you know, and we've, we've just outdone ourselves with window dressing. So, well, listen, the mentoring, uh, John, all of us... Got mentored by coaches, I believe. I think that coaches always were the they were the people in my life that I looked up to the most, and they were the mentors. And they did not do window dressing. I have all the basketball coaches I had. The I can still hear the voice of my high school tennis coach. He just died, brother Roland Driscoll, Indianapolis, Indiana. He was a brother of the Holy Cross. Um, you know. Uh, And 19 let's see he was 96 years old he just died recently but i still know his voice (laughs) and the point is these were the people we looked up to the most they were mentors and why was why was their mentoring important to us was it was much more than just information and it wasn't just about the teaching it was about the care that they gave and the the, uh, the amount of time that they spent with each an individual person in teaching was a vocation. But mentoring is a coin phrase now that's used very often for two-tier mentoring. In other words, we will, I work at the Citadel now, so they'll come around and they'll want you to be a mentor for some young man wanting to get into business or somebody that's wanting to do this. And a two-tier mentoring program is where you get the teacher and you have the student. Now, the problem is it exhausts and drains the energies of the teacher, and the student ends up becoming pretty much like a pigeon just hanging out, waiting for something to be dropped in his or her direction, and it breaks It, it breaks down. The system breaks down. Um I was introduced to three-tier mentoring back in the mid-'90s, and it was really from Bill McCartney's Promise Keepers program that was really, really popular back in the late-'80s,-'90s, for about a 10-year period there. And um, it, uh, I think I got the book, The Seven Promises of a Promise Keeper or something like that. I think that was the name of the book. But basically one of the things, one of the great things that they had was a three-tier mentoring program. And how it should work, it's a very simple, simple formula. And if you put it into your life, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So everyone, everybody listening out there, every child, every you, me, everyone, we should all seek out mentors, people that are ahead of us, that have been already through what we're trying to go through. For example, up uh, in the gym the other day, that's been three weeks ago, uh, I was doing some, just got on the treadmill, and there's a a professor in there that's retired. He's 80 years old, and i he's been around the tennis center and things, and his grandchildren came to my camp and things. And I went up to him afterwards. I said, listen, Jim, would you would, – would you consider having lunch with me, please. I, I need, there's nothing other than I need to be able to talk with you about the next 20 years that are coming up, you know, and, and I need to know just sort of what's coming around the corner. I need to ask you about some things. I need some direction. Well, he was sort of, yeah, he just like, sure, you know, and, and, and we're setting up lunch and I'm hoping I can set up a relationship where I can go to lunch with him once a week or once every two weeks and basically get wisdom. You know, it's not like our older PA folks. It's not like when you get older you get dumber. It's really not this this thing about retirement. You know, it, it, it was invented by Bismarck in Germany to get all of the smart people when you get over 65 out of the workforce because you cause too much trouble. Like I, I caused John with the USTA and the ITA, those daggone bureaucrats, I called them on my show yesterday, my radio show. Those daggone guys are goofing up, told by paralysis by analysis. Well, where you get to a place in life, folks, and where you just don't care. You're not, you're not trying to win any popularity contests, and you don't care, you, and you know what's going on, and you're not afraid of speaking out, standing up and speaking out. But we all need someone above us that has already been the walk, walk the walk. Then, secondly, we all need we need someone below us that we learn how to teach. Someone we're accountable for. In other words, if I if I have somebody that's got a lot of talent and he's a kid that's a goof off, you know how John? Do you know how I get him out of being a goof off? How you you won't believe me. I put him in charge of somebody smaller than him. I'll put him uh-huh. in charge. I'll make him a teacher. I've never had a kid that's a goof off teach, teach a kid that he's mentoring to, to be a goof off. The kids who are goof offs usually are just looking for attention, but I will put kids in charge and people go, whoa, whoa, really? Now look, you've got to use your head a little bit with that. But, you put people in charge, you, you, you allow, you get somebody below you, and all of a sudden there's this feeling of responsibility, like in teaching. John, you've been a teacher all your life. Don't you feel like, hey, man, if, when I'm responsible for these kids, I, I better not goof up. I better do the right thing. I better do the right thing. I better not mess this up. And No if, question. You feel that feeling of responsibility, so, you have someone above you that teaches you, someone below you that you're teaching, but the most important level is the third level, and that's the middle level. John, in, in the middle level is the Barnabas level. So, you have the Paul, you know, in scripture it would be the Paul level, that is the teacher. Then you have the Timothy level, that is your student. But then the Barnabas is the buddy, you know, that. That's your level. Now, here's, here's where we go. If you have five or six or seven or eight friends or people your are level, in, but you must ask them, look, we're after this thing. We're after being great coaches. Like I have four, four players, four people. I'll tell you, one of them, the great Kenny Thorne at Georgia Tech. We were in the same conference when I was at Clemson for all those years, and he is a fantastic man. He is a man of great high integrity. And I asked him, I said, Kenny, will you hold me accountable to a high standard in coaching? And he and he she said, Well, of course. And he says, Will you hold me accountable? Now, in sharing that accountability, then you've given a friend permission. You need to give a friend permission. I need your eyes. John, I need your eyes to tell me the truth. We don't see ourselves, we only feel ourselves. So This is the way that the three-tier mentoring works. You have a Paul above you that you learn from, and you can have two or three or four. You know, you go to your father or you go to an uncle or an aunt or a grandfather or someone of wisdom or someone that's already been the walk that you're trying to walk. Then we have all of these Timothys under us, John, all of the young men and young ladies that we teach for so many years that we have a responsibility to them. The accountability, okay, the accountability comes to our peer level. So all three of those are important. And if you put this to work, you could put this to work at so many different levels, and you could have a team that goes to the moon. Okay, today I'll give you a couple couple quick. So today uh, we're doing – we get three players together. Every once a week we go on a three-mile run where the guys take off and go off campus, and they go off a three-mile run, a buddy run. I always pair up an older player with a younger player with somebody that's in between. I always put three dissimilar people together, always three dissimilar people together. And uh, so you do it. I do it. All the time you use a mentoring system. Last night we had a player on the team that had a hard time at practice yesterday. So I called uh, another player who's a friend, and I said, look, you need to intervene here. You intervene. You've got to be basically his Barnabas. Tell him what you're seeing and help him through this. Now come see me tomorrow if you need. But John, this this is the,
0: the And
1: and everybody listening out there, never forget that people cannot see themselves, they only feel themselves. Most of us believe everyone in the world wants to be like me if only they knew how. (laughs) And, And we need someone's eyes. We need an older person's eyes. We need to be accountable, accountable or responsible, sorry, responsible to people below us. Because their eyes are on us, that holds us to a higher level. And then we need accountability to the friends that we have around us. Now, just think of how it would work if we had a great mentoring system in tennis. Just, just think about this for a minute. This is where we've fallen short. Let's say uh, we've got a, you know, uh, Andy Roddick, who's been out of tennis now for about seven or eight years, and uh, he – calls the number one player in college tennis and says, uh, hey, listen, uh, so-and-so, you're coming along really well. Could I come over Christmas vacation to spend a week with you and talk to you about the pro tour? And guess what? That that college guy has to spend a week with the best 18-year-old in the region, spends the best time with the 16-year-old, spends time with the 13-year-old, spends time with the little brother and sister, So that's how the chain works, and we had a beautiful, beautiful system at College Park uh, when I worked up there. They really had the three tiers going. You know, they had three tiers coaching. You had older coaches, middle coaches, and younger coaches. Then you had coach-to-player mentoring. You had coach-to-coach mentoring, coach-to-player mentoring, and then you had player-to-player mentoring. The most important was the player-to-player mentoring, and last Francis Tiafo, I just finished working on an article for Asian tennis on Francis Tiafo and I sent it in today. And the article was mainly about the mentoring system that they had there and how Mitchell Frank, Dennis Kudla, and those coaches there held him accountable to a high standard. So you know, so John, that, that, in essence, is the way that the program works. And I can I, I got a couple stories I can tell here after you jump in and tell me where, where you would like to go with this. But I got a story or two. But to the people listening out there, listen. Again, the law of invested pressure, unless you have people invest their time and their heart, and unless you get close enough to people, which nobody's comfortable with which nobody wants to do which nobody has the time to do unless you have that you'll never ever ever get the the real meat of the real meat of teaching learning and that you that we need that we really
0: really need now in our sports so well, I think I'd, I'd like to ask you a question, and uh, and and truthfully, uh, you, you know, I lean on you a lot, and I love the fact that we could talk honestly back and forth. But is the Barnabas? I'm looking at you know where I think I failed that I don't have the officers. Carrying on what we did, and when you see, I mean, when I look back at no all-star uh, team this year, and uh, no officers at the uh, training, and when you have the who's who of, uh, I mean, you know, actually Hobson and uh, and this did uh, dear this, uh, this uh, time here, and you know, he, you know, and he refers to you and Dr. Young and the, the people that he learned from and everything. I. I'm thinking that is the Barnabas the hardest one between Paul, Timothy? I mean, you know, Timothy yeah. was the youngest, and he became, we probably, yeah. he wrote more than anybody else, and we know the least well, of Barnabas, and I'm thinking in my fa- that's probably where my failures was there, is
1: well, having people well, uh, that are
0: have... go
1: ahead. John, John, here here's the thing. You have got to give people permission to be critical of you. Even people you work with every day, every day, every day, you've got to say, well, what do you see? Tell me what you – they'll go – they'll always tell you something pleasant. And listen, no, 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 I really need to know I need your eyes. I need your eyes. Tell me what you think. Listen, it's like my assistant coach, he's shared an office with me for two and a half years, and he's a younger fella, and pretty much it's been maybe – be mentoring to him, but as you work with somebody more and more and more, they become more, you know, at at the same level, but you, you honestly have to fish it out. You have to get a relationship based on trust and then you have to fish it out of people. I mean, come on. Here's the problem. Here's the problem we all have. We are not born doing the right thing. We are born we usually are going to, if our human nature is to do the wrong thing, <laughs> and you have to learn to do the right thing. You have to learn to every every skill set of hard work, of doing the right thing, telling the truth, all those things. It's more natural maybe for some than others, but without guidance, we will It's not like we're going to do the right thing without some guidance. We... But it's like John, I know you well enough through these years that if you ask me to tell you the truth, look, I might deliver the message without delivering a blow. How's that? but I owe it to you to tell you the truth on things I owe you I owe it to you, but at the same time, we've got to be able to say it in a way that you know uh you know you're always hurting people's feelings or something. telling you that is the most important person in the Barnabas's. I had, uh, when I was coaching, I had three. I had uh, one of my former players down in Miami that was on my first team, and he he really called me one time and said, that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable, and he really blasted me out. And then I had one in Clemson that was, uh, he was the father of one of my former players that I'd known for 25 years. And then I had... Uh, Kenny Thorne over at Georgia Tech and and, uh, you know and and the point is that's the only way we can get through this very complicated life that we have now that's been so complicated because of the technology and uh, the kids I mean it is so hard to motivate now it's more difficult than I've ever seen
0: it before John so we need
1: that Barnabas that's the one (laughs)
0: yeah maybe i just uh you know my my wife says i'm painfully uh, honest maybe i i just never learned how to uh be critical in a nicer way and uh, but uh i am i'll keep working on it though uh, how about a couple of stories that you know brings us what we're talking about you know okay
1: okay i i gotta this week it was really, really interesting. You know, I, I was at Clemson for 33 years or 10,000 days, and I saw probably 140 football games in the stadium. So I really stayed a Clemson football fan, and they've been doing great. So the other day, in the newspaper, they had this article that the coach, Dabo Sweeney, was a little bit upset. Not upset, but he was saying, Wow, a lot of the students are leaving at halftime. And they have this end zone area where the students go, and it's very popular, Death Valley. They run in and run down that hill. But that hill used to be covered up with 10,000 people. And so the answer to what happened and what is happening in our culture was right in the article. And this person, this student was interviewed. Students, even though the team is doing great, they're not hanging around. Some kids are not showing up for ball games and they're wondering is football not as popular? But as I said, one of the students had the answer. And he said that for years, you had a native line to get tickets to go to the football game. And you asked, you uh, at midnight tonight. You hear these stories about Ed with cameras, whatever. You know, and, and go there to basketball, kids will wait in line kids out go to get basketball tickets. Well, that's the way it was at Clemson. You used to have to wait in line, so all the students had to physically go get the tickets. John had to wait in line. And and uh, so then you invest that much, well, I'm not going to answer that one. So now... They said the difference is now. Guess what? How they get their tickets? How to get John? You know oh. the answer. They get them online. they they, oh, they go online, and so they get them online. And guess what? Guess what? A lot of them, a lot of them don't show up. It's all law of invested pressure. When you make something too easier to, do, it's easier. Quit easy to pick up is easy to put down, hard hard to put down. This is my biggest argument, and this is what it has been with these brainiacs down there. Sorry, USDA, you know, USDA, you guys, it. It cracked me up that all this. Did you see how they're repackaging now, rebooting, <laughs> repackaging their? Under 10 program, John, it's now the net generation or something. Is that what it's called? And I'm going, oh, you guys, come on. People are not that stupid. So what they do, easy, in trying to make tennis easier with the scoring system and doing everything easy, giving stuff, it's like 100% of the time, whenever I gave away a scholarship, In the early years, I did uh, 30, gosh, 41 summers of camps. But in the early years, I gave away so many scholarships, John, to kids. Do you think any of the kids I gave a scholarship away to, these needy kids, do you think once that the kids kept playing tennis? Here's what I figured out after five or six summers, and this was back in the 70s and early 80s. I never, so what I did is I said, there's something wrong here. The kids don't value this, what I'm giving them. So what I then did was I would make them work a half a day, where there was carrying water or picking up balls or something, and then play a half day. Now that sort of worked now and then. And then I tried to do it week to week. The thing that worked the best in the two kids I got hooked on tennis, you'll love this. So what I did is I had them work an entire week. At the camp, I gave them their pay for kids probably working back then, and I made $100 or something like $80 or something. I gave them the money, and guess what? Three days later, they had to give me the money back and pay for their camp. And and you bet that they were on fire for tennis guns. People do not understand it is a human value. It's a value thing. It's not cost It's value. And easy to pick up, easy to pick down, law of invested pressure. Unless you make people work for something or suffer for something, they, they'll give it up. And they'll easily give away what they have not worked for. You know, the value. So that's one of the lessons. Uh, my... The best lesson I ever saw in front of me, and I'll try to make this one a quick one. I'd be probably running out of time here. But was I had a boy? No, no. You're time just time. you're
0: breaking up a little. We're not running out of time, but uh, you're coming in and out. Let me, see, Before let me see you do I that, let me just it. say one thing on that. One of the things okay. that I had on the uh, list of uh, challenges they had was the under 10 uh, program and all the names they've gone through. And I don't know how much the next generation of tennis is going to cost, but (laughs) everything, something good comes out of everything. And the one thing good out of that is that everybody will go, you know, get a record check and everything that goes into it. But my, I actually I don't have it in front of me now, but Bobby listed, uh, uh, defied the she started that 20 years ago when it was yep. an ITF, uh, play and stay, yeah. and then uh, I yeah. Uh, yeah. forced her into changing the name because USTA was putting pressure on me for, uh, uh. Yeah. Then the name they, they're, they're they, they're they, 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 they chose It turned out to be illegal and they had to go. So, my question is how much is this costing and is there better use of that money? Oh, come
1: on. Hey, but, uh, hey, hey. at hey, least they, they, they had worth. that list. So, go ahead. John, you think they got their money's worth out of the tenant under program? Are you kidding me? In the whole state of South Carolina, the numbers last year at the meeting I went to, uh, the yearly meeting, they had a total of 40. 40, four 0 kids in the entire state of South Carolina signed up for their 10-and-under green ball program. 40. You ought to have 40 at every club in America. I mean, it's unbelievable. But, see, there's no accountability. And the reason that people don't value it is because unless you invest in it, unless you invest in it, it, it doesn't matter. But I'll give you a real good story about early 90s late 80s early 90s we had a we had a guy a kid that was really really pretty lazy and a very talented kid you know and uh the coach you know and uh there was there was uh you know they were doing everything to help him they could as far as academic help and tennis help and you know and every everything they could do and and so he was at the learning center which everybody has and there was the guy who was running it was one of the old football coaches from, uh, Danny Ford era. And he had a national championship ring on from 1981. And, um, so this kid, this kid was sort of, you know, into the flash, you know, of things. And and he said, Oh, that ring, that ring is pretty nice. He said, yeah, yeah. It's our national championship ring, you know? And, uh, he said. He said to the kid. He goes, um, "What? What if uh, I lost this out in the parking lot, or you know, I, you know, and you didn't know who it belonged to, but you you got this ring and you you picked it up. You know, um, what would you think? Would you keep it?" He goes, oh, I, "I don't know. I would probably sell it." He goes. Okay, what would would you sell it for? Do you think you could get $300 for it? Oh, oh boy, that would be something. I guess, I guess. He said, son, you you don't understand. If somebody offered me $100,000 for this ring, I, I would not sell it. I would not sell it because it's beyond a price. This has value that was earned, that was earned by sweat, that was earned by Many, many people working together, and this ring is invaluable. It's invaluable to me. And the kid, he said, You know, what we're trying to do is get you to believe in things of great value. Now, it's pathetic. My son is a 12 year old baseball player. Do you know that in these little bla- travel ball baseball tournaments that they have, and anybody listening out there, you know what I'm going to say if your kids play baseball. You know John they have ring tournaments like a weekend tournament they had 5 teams and if they if they made the finals they got a silver ring and if they won the tournament he's already got four gold rings they got all this glass in them they, they, they thought they were Orlando magic or something like that you know and it it was absolutely absolutely ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous people know the value of everything but the 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 cost of everything but the value of very little and so i mean here's it's it's again it's the law of invested pressure it's the law of invested pressure that's where we're at We, we we have to get people to where they invest of themselves again it's not about stuff it's about time it's about giving your time to your to your loved ones, but also given the time to the people that we coach and we mentor you know so anyhow we we just we just got some challenges different kind of challenges and you and I had growing up for sure, but we can do it
0: yeah i think about i think often uh a uh, quote i've used that you've made uh, i don't know if you remember or not uh, but you stated that the tragedy of doing the right thing is you don't see the consequences of your action and and I think it's becoming even more relevant today uh because uh, I, I I think we're afraid to talk about the right thing. I, I've often said the hardest thing, and to me, if you're a good coach, it's almost like being a a parent. And the hardest thing for parents sometimes is to say no, no. And, I've you know, the things I've always told my assistant coaches, you have to learn how to say no. When someone said, well, I did that, well, no, you really didn't. You really didn't perform it the way we practiced that. Or somebody says, well, uh you know, I, I, I just don't have to do that because I know this here. No, you really have to do that if you want to be part of this team and what we're trying to project. So I think of you often because I've often, you know, used your quote, the, the tragedy of doing the right thing. Because you don't see the consequence of your actions. Well, you, and of the that's right.
1: You would never see the tragedy of doing the right thing, like I said, is you'd never know the consequences had you not done the right thing. I call it but-fors now. But-for doing that, do you understand that this wouldn't have happened? And we have to remind people of the but-fors but for you helping me get started in tennis i would have never done this never done this never done this it's like but but the tragedy is it's like not driving drunk that night you never know that it saved your life but for you spending that time getting up early going to swimming every day when you were a child you would have never had the perseverance to get up every morning and go to a job but for doing this you would have never got to go to college but for your parents not doing that you would have never and we need i think we need to really talk to young kids about how to understand that because you're exactly right you you hit it on the head we we really really uh we're afraid to go there we're afraid to invest With people the way we need to Again we don't go past cliches And facts We don't go to feelings You know to Opinions You know uh, Feelings and needs And we operate window dressing And dang this John I'm scared to death What's going on with our kids With these these Cell phones because these cell phones Are hijacking My son's in med school and he said they were studying about the brain and how the brain works. And he said his professor said that cell phones are hijacking the dopamine faucet of the brain for our children. In other words, the dopamine faucet or the thing, is the pleasure center that we used to get from, you know, whether it's a hug from grandma or it's a sink in a 20-foot jump shot or it's the... Perfect feeling of a backhand Or it's a wonderful song Or it's just a joy you have by spending time With a loved one But these cell phones are Hijacking the dopamine Faucet of The brain of our children Isn't that scary It is scary
0: (laughs) It really really is Scary
1: So but, uh, But John I just want to encourage you You know, please hang in there. Uh, You're you're bringing some wonderful people. Their ideas, the Alan Foxes, John. You're just the what you're doing is you're giving. uh, We've got to put the people on there of wisdom and get their ideas out. People, you don't get dumber after you're 65, even though they put you out the pasture. You don't. It's uh, we need, still need the wisdom, and boy, by golly, I sure hunt for it. I'm hunting every day for people of wisdom, wise wise men, not wise guys. Now, there's a difference. Right.
0: Well, and I think yeah. the important thing is, and uh, the, the, when we have the blessings of people like you that are still willing to keep sharing and everything, and. I I, I, I I say it often. If you're working with somebody that's a little older, ask them questions and find out if they're willing to share. Everybody's not willing to share. but In my belief, what I've experienced is that the people I consider the great coaches, they're willing to share. So if you yeah. ask them well. and they're willing to share something, God, sit down and listen to them and then be like me, be a pain in the ass and ask them again, something else. John, most people are afraid to
1: really speak. Now, listen, everyone out there, stay professional, address issues, not people. You can say whatever you want to say. You are entitled to your opinion. Just be per, just be professional, address issues. And any of these organizations, boy, I hammer them. I am so upset with the ITA and college tennis. I am so upset. You could not screw things up more, you know, than they're screwing up with college tennis, you know. And all all we have to do, any parent out there, if you've got a youngster that plays, tell me how hard it is now to get to go to college because we have about eighty percent international students. Wow. And Guess what? Almost all those all those international students have already played pro tennis a bunch, and they took the lid off. They blew it wide open. The floodgates are open when they allow to. The new rule, John, you can make $10,000 a year past no. your expenses. So what you can do is you can go play semi-pro ball for two or three years. You can play over in Europe or South America. Go, whoa, you know, I don't think I'm going to make the majors. Let me get that college scholarship. Let's get on that Internet and get a college scholarship. You parents out there, your child, my child, we're getting – we're getting pushed out, and uh, you know. So ITA and oh my gosh, what they've done with the no ad, this no ad scoring is absolutely an abomination. They're, you know, you know they're just diluting, polluting, prostituting the greatest game in the world. It is just awful. So I'll hammer them. USTA, eh, I don't know if it's their fault. You know, they change leadership every couple years and there's some very very good people you mentioned already some of the people that are really wonderful in there working but you know you end up becoming a bureaucrat because you have to tap dance to their songs all the time and uh we need some we need some uh people out there leading and uh we need to be we're, we we right now we are Understimulated and overregulated. Overregulated, understimulated. We need to turn that around, where people are on fire to help people again, and we don't need systems, John. We need systems. You know, we we need we need we need. Uh, I don't want to say opportunities. That sounds too. We we need need incentives of competition for our kids. Hey, listen, I think I had a real good show yesterday. Any people listening out there, please go to my website, K R I E S E K-R-I-E-S-E.net, and uh, listen to my radio show this week, and then uh, the others too. John, you don't mind me putting a plug in there. I'm trying to get more listeners as we can.
0: John? Hello.